Hello and welcome to 51st Coffees. So why 51st Coffees? Now, this is very little to do with coffee and everything to do with connection through conversation, plus finding out how far can a good conversation go. There are 52 weeks in a year and I look forward to speaking to someone new inside and outside my social circle at least once a week. These are people I admire for a whole bunch of reasons. They are fueled by ambition, passion, greed, curiosity. They are from a wide range of industries. They are from all around the world and they're still figuring it all out. This this whole thing in every sense of it is a first for me. My name is Masha Aida. and welcome to my 51st coffees I'm having my 17th episode with the one and only Kitawa Wemo and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this Kitawa Wemo is the founder of Mama Ventures so we are going to talk about all about her backstory her journey, why mama ventures and yeah, everything else in between. So, here's Kitawa, also known as Kiki, also known as Ariana. You'll find out in the episode. Enjoy. Yeah, I I always struggle with the origin story because it's so it's so broken down into many different pieces, but uh the the easiest one is i was definitely born in kisumu <laughs> yeah 29 years ago now i'm 29 i turned 29 in april and you know interesting in, interestingly enough all my siblings um so i come from a blended family and i'm kind of the last born i don't know it's it's just uh, peculiar to describe family but yeah um, I am the last born. I have five other siblings and they're much older than me. So I did grow up as pretty much an only child because I would only see my siblings when they were on holiday and they were much older so we didn't really have a connection. So you know apart from my cousins that you know uh they were my siblings because we are kind of the same age and my mom those were my friends so uh growing up was a very interesting time for me. My parents were very convinced that I was going to become a doctor. So, um everything <laughs> everything in my path has, you know, was engineered towards me being a doctor. Um I mean, I was top of my class all through primary school and high school. I went to uh two schools here in uh, Kisumu, uh one uh Josana Academy as a private school and then my mom, who's a teacher by profession, had this perception that being in private school would want to make me very resilient and i needed to experience life as it was i was getting super spoiled i wasn't doing my homework i was skipping school oh my god <laughs> so she was like you have to go to public school because your 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 privilege is making you super spoiled so i went to aria primary school in kisumu and then transitioned to st george's in nairobi for my four years where I also finished uh, top of my class in 20- 2008 so you see everything was kind of engineered i know she's going to be a doctor and you know all fun and you know flair i got into uni in uh, uh, kenyatta university so i also had this perception that i really wanted to study here i had tons of friends who wanted to go abroad i remember um um in this in the second group of students that was meant to go to Africa Leadership Academy in South Africa I was one of the the 
um, selected applicants and I gave away my slot to someone, which was very interesting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I really, really, you know, part of me really wanted to be educated here. Um, I also had like an opportunity for a scholarship to go to the States, but I don't know, just something deep inside me wasn't for it. And I just stuck with, you know, to my guns and went to KU, which I enjoyed. And <laughs> only for me to do two weeks of med school and realize that I really didn't want to be a doctor. And Wait, you actually went into med school? <laughs> I actually went. Like you and... sat through like two weeks of class. Yeah, so the first two weeks, and this is where uh, my my I was like, I'm not going to do this. This is not it. Uh, so uh, what happened is I wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. And part of the reason why I wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon or just a pediatrician is my brother, who was a bit older than me, passed away when I was three years old. And he had leukemia. And... And just seeing what that did even to my mom, she was super depressed for a very long time. And, you know, I even had to go live with my auntie, her sister for some time so that she can recover from that was very, very tough. And deep down in me, I was a fix. I was like, if I become a doctor, I'm going to save so many other children. That was the idea. Like personally, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor so I can take care of kids. And the first two weeks of med school in KU, you actually have to go to psychology class. And I remember, um, aside from seeing the cadavers, didn't really freak me out. Um, oh, but I was gonna that, say I, I thought it was I thought it was the dead bodies. It wasn't that. <laughs> straight, straight, I was so sure that it would be that, but it wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't squirmish. I was like, this is the path I've chosen. I have to like put my mind away and you know be okay with you know having dead bodies around you. Yeah. for seven seven years so I had that like pre, pre, prepared in my in my mind but it was a psychology class that kind of just you know recentered everything for me because um, the lecturer was just like you do realize that you're going to lose patience and you have to you know learn how to cope with that and he gave all he, all these stories about um, patients that he'd lost and those that, you know, he didn't think were going to, you know, pass on. And I was just like, I don't know if I'll be able to cope with that personally. And that was yeah. the point. I, I literally walked into the dean's office and said, hi, I don't think I'm going to do this. <laughs> so I got into the School of Public Health. And yeah, that was, that was it uh, for four years um, in, in KU. But I think the de- the defining moment, and I would you know come back to your question about the aha moment. It was one of the things that I used to do was you know I I had to do the hustle. So I used to do events, like music um, events at Choices, which is at Maricha Road, and I used to make some coins from that, like organize like rock bands who would go play. <laughs> oh my goodness we are so similar it's so weird can I tell you something stupid Please like honestly in my first year of uni uh-huh. I was uh, I was also at the University of Nairobi I was doing law um, in my first year of uni um, I started this thing called the chocolate valentines uh-huh. where like on valentine's day we have like an event like at, at the club and mm-hmm. like have like um, a lot of chocolate and just like wine and just have like people pay at the entrance or something. So I was making a bit of money out of it. <laughs> but honestly, my mom was just like, is this an excuse to go out? Of course. Okay, anyway, continue. 
it's only recently that my mom found out that I used to be like an underground events organizer. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you, you know, you're talking like SDA mom. Like, who's this? Oh, <laughs> like Christmas this child. Uh-huh. And then now she's going to clubs. Like, it was such a it was a big deal. So I, I didn't tell her. I even had to like operate with a pseudonym. Like I wouldn't even <laughs> use my real name in the club. My name was like I used to go by Ariana. I was like, my name <laughs> <laughs> This part about Kitawa, no one knows. This is in the front row. What? The okay, gym. Ariana. Talk to us. <laughs> So what happened, though, is uh, the person who used to finance this entire thing was actually a public health professional, like with global experience. And I got to talk to him and, um, you know, just, you know, have a conversation about my aspirations and all that. And I remember that he became my first career coach in my second year in in uni. And one thing that he said is just like, because I asked him, what's the one thing that you regret about your career? I mean, you're super successful. What's the one thing that you regret? And he said, I wish I was more independent super earlier. It's like, I'm in my 40s and now is when I'm trying to do things that I'm passionate about. And I'm just looking back and, you know, reminiscing on all the things that I would have done um, that I truly loved. So I was like, wow. Okay. So that was interesting. And then I had to go do my internship and he helped me get my internship with AMREF. So this is also comes down to the power of networks and the power of people. So my journey actually setting up MAMA, um, figuring out my independence and understanding where I really wanted the you know my journey to take was super influenced by people than it was influenced by access to, say, money having a conversation with my mom to say that I'm running a business, she didn't understand what that was. And for her, because she didn't understand that was, it wasn't even because she wasn't supportive of me, she was. Her biggest problem is like, what do I tell my friends that you do? <laughs> like she was like, oh yes, that's a big one. <laughs> just like, I, I don't know what to tell them. Please, no, don't, just dive into it. Like what's, <laughs> the, what's mama? Like, um, what's Mama Ventures and how how exactly did you set it up and what was the inspiration like um, for setting this up? Like what was your driving factor? So Mama was to me a personal project. It was a passion project. And I go back to the time when I I was interning at AMREF and I, we had this project in Kajado. And in the project that we were running, I remember being given, you know, Part of being the young person in the office is they give you all the computer stuff to do. So yes. the one like <laughs> doing the reports and compiling yeah. all the minutes for all these things that they'd be doing over the years. So, you know, they're like, you're the young person here, take the computer and do those things. So, and you know, this is back in 2013. Like, it doesn't really sound like a lot of people had a clear grasp of using their computers as, at work. Like, it was honestly a foreign concept mm-hmm. that now... The fact that we are doing coffee online is super amazing. (laughs) I remember then reading through these reports and, you know, coming out, seeing numbers like this project had been there for like 12 years and they had achieved, say, it was like 28% success rate. I was like, what? Why? 
and it really troubled me just like on a personal level it really troubled me so um every time we'd have to go out to the field and you know still run the programs i had my tiny project on the side uh, at that point it didn't have a name it didn't have a direction i didn't know what i was going to do but i wanted to like figure out this problem then um like i kept talking to people and i was like how come you know this you know this project's been here for so long and you're not it's not successful what's the problem and this one lady who was a, a a principal of a secondary school said well one the biggest problem is you people with your nice projects come and tell us what you think um could be done to solve the problem but you really didn't take the opportunity to ask us what we thought about the project wow i was like mm, okay and i remember um actually shared this with the project manager and you know, they were doing something called community led uh, sanitation program and they did um kind of now begin increasing the 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 project allocation towards community led pro- programs where you actually let them tell you what should be done so that was the first thing and then the second thing that they said is well you are giving us money to attend your workshops i mean i would be stupid to make your process successful so <laughs> i will drag it on for as long as i can so you can continue giving me the workshop attendance fee i was like okay that was the second thing i was like that is in my head i was like that is not sustainable what happens when the donor pulls the plug does this project just die yet like millions of dollars had been invested in this program so that was just like in my head i was just doing like my own like market research on the viability of what was going to be a project in in my head and then the final like oh you know i was ping-ponging between it i was like you know amref is a really good place i would love to work here for a very long time i would climb up the ladder as you know over time seven ten years i would be you know where i wanted to be um and then the the aha moment was when we went to this village that was in the middle of nowhere and when i say the middle of nowhere there were no roads you know we it was literally what you see on tv like crossing through riverbeds to get there so we get there to <laughs> this really tiny village and they had already gathered and you know the women were sitting on one side and the men were sitting on one side on the other side and then i looked at the women and you're seeing women in their 80s sitting on the ground and then i'm looking at the male side and you're seeing boys who are like 16 17 years old sitting on chairs I was like this this is this is weird you know <laughs> yeah uh, like kids like kids were sitting and the women who are you know are on the floor on the ground sitting on the ground on the dirt I was like this is you know so that was just the first thing I I noticed and then the second thing is now I had to be the one facilitating the session that day and I suspect that my colleagues did that intentionally because they knew this particular village and how remotely set they were when i stood up to speak um some of the older men walked away like they literally stood up and walked away this one guy i remember he wow. turned like he turned his chair and faced away like his back was faced to me the entire time this like man, you you weren't worth their time at all exactly so like in their heads uh, so i later asked and they're like they literally have no regard for a woman's voice 
and for you who's seemingly so young to stand to speak to them was disrespectful to them i was like wow i was like in my head i was like this is 2013 and you know kisumu is a is a town that i've grown up in i've studied in nairobi you know i've been sheltered from the 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 situation that comes up as far as gender um, bias is concerned or gender exclusion as I tend to call it I was like wow okay this is okay so like for me I was really shocked because I didn't think I knew that there was women were being marginalized and excluded from conversations around owning property and land and businesses but I didn't know that it was to this extent but then like when you talk to the women they're the ones who you know go graze the cows they're the ones who make up the houses, like they're the ones who collect the the cow dung and all that to make the house. They freaking do everything, and the man sits there and just waits to be serviced at the end of the day. I was like, guy. So when I finished my internship, I, they were like, oh, so are you going to renew? Are you going to apply to join us? I was like, actually, I don't think so. Because um, in my head, I was like, I need to do something about this problem. So I designed, so after that, 2014 uh, to 2015, I designed an entrepreneurship toolkit. I literally went on LinkedIn, messaged people from across the world who are in the startup entrepreneurship space, because then the space in Kenya was super nascent. So I messaged them. They contributed to the development of the entrepreneurship toolkit with a focus on community engagement. And we tested it. And in nine months, I was ready to um deployed so that's and at that point i still didn't have a name for my business i just had an entrepreneurship toolkit uh i had to innovate as i kept going based on what um what i felt the the market wanted which is one so some of the things that we talk about now like i didn't know that that was a design thinking process until i took a course and i'm like oh wait i've been design thinking this entire time I didn't just wake up and decide, like, decide to build a business this way. I actually had an idea. I put something together, which was a prototype. We went out, we tested it in different markets. Then based on the user feedback from all the people that we got, then we decided to set it up the way we did as a venture building service now, officially in 20, um, late 2017 into 2018. That's when we're like, this is exactly what we are doing. We can't work in the nonprofit space because we need grants, but the grants need you to have registered in the nonprofit board and then or as a nonprofit, get um, approval from the NGO board, get board members. We're like, we're not going down that route. So we are not registering as an NGO. Then that's why we decided to register it as a limited company because then you have the liberty to trade. You have the liberty to you know, seek out investment and all this. Then the second part now was finding the market. So we tried it with, uh, in partnership with nonprofits. We tried it in partnership with government institu- institutions. We tried the toolkit as well in partnership with community-based organizations. For all of these groups, it was difficult for us to see profit. Like We were not going to be profitable for a very long time. So then the final bit of us deciding to then work with entrepreneurs and SMEs as a whole or startups and SMEs was now we're like, these are people who are in the profit making business, but they're looking to make some sort of impact, which is a key element of our toolkit. So how do we then 
uh, convince them to pay for the service that we're offering. So we found out like then uh, startups have really small teams. They struggle with basic operations and all the operations were outlined in our toolkit. So like, oh, okay, oh yeah. So, <laughs> yes. So we told, so we w- went into startup space. We're like, hey, we have this toolkit. Shock on us. Kenyans don't have money to pay for nothing. So, <laughs> for real. Like, it's not even like, funny. Yeah. We're like, guy, even 500 bob, which is $5, was so difficult for us to get out of anyone. But they want to come to your workshop. They want to come to all these things that you're offering. So we're like, drats, what are we going to do? So I, 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 you know, go back to the drawing board. At this point, Eneki is super tired. She wants to, you know, go get employed. She's finished. She's graduated. She's like, I was hoping that by now the business would have been profitable, <laughs> but I have bills to pay. I love you, Kiki, but oh, I found a job. Yeah. I was like, it's okay. You just go. It's, you know, you're still in the founding team. It's fine. So then we, we were like, okay, startups can't pay us. So what do we do? Like, okay, we need to do like economies okay no we have to give them something for free so that they see the value in our work so i started doing in partnership with co-working spaces in nairobi so that was in 2017 from around august we're like we'll partner with co-working spaces and do after work networking events so i started this thing called the mingle and then this mingle um what would happen is the reason I started it is what I mentioned when we were talking earlier. I said that some of the hardest things for me when I started was I was very lonely when I was starting yeah. my business. So the first two mm-hmm. years were the loneliest times when I was starting. So I was like, I'm seeing entrepreneurship is really growing. And in my head, I was like, how many more people are feeling this? Can I create a networking event where it's not elitist? So you don't have to go and you know, when you, some of these networking events, like you go and people are like, so what do you do? What's your business? Have you raised money? You know, there's all these super high level questions that would intimidate someone who's still trying to figure themselves out, which is why I like those, the capital club meetings for me didn't really work because I was like, I didn't really understand how best to communicate my business. So half the time I was you know, very reserved. I wouldn't talk about what I was doing and I felt like I was wasting everyone's time by being there. So creating the mingle now in 2017 was for people who, who would be would have been feeling the way I felt when I was starting. So then I would um, I partnered with a lady called Hannah and Mariana who are life coaches. So we designed something very simple on how to make this, how to facilitate the networking so like how do we create a facilitated type of networking where you're guided on how to network um that's amazing yeah so like without having to be super uh, super formal about what you do but still getting the opportunity to talk about what you like i was just observing like one of my key traits is i love observing situations before i make a decision on how to take that up so I did get like a lot of feedback like from guys in Silicon Valley, um, people from Europe, and then they would then refer you to other people and say, oh, meet Kiki, she's working on this thing. Are you able to give her 15, 20 minutes of your time? So it was really, really interesting to see the different sentiments from people who had already built established ecosystems who are willing to support um, Mama. So 
getting into mama uh, was cool like now i was like okay this thing is super big like it's not just a project it needs to be a business so first thing if you need to have a business i didn't go the conventional route of fast registering re- registering the business because i wasn't sure and i was like i don't want to put money into registering something that would never materialize so i was still second guessing myself a lot um still trying to prove myself to my parents that I'm doing the right thing. Um, my social network was completely dead. Like people I went to high school with, uni with, I barely like had time to go meet them. It was really honestly like 20, 2016 to 2018 was like the loneliest years of my life <laughs> because you're still, still trying to figure out things. Um, yeah. The business is not generating any revenue. So like in 2016 at the beginning. So I did, I got this uh, girl, she's called Eniki. She was super smart and she was volunteering for a nonprofit whose board I sit on currently. Then I wasn't on the board. Then I was just helping them out. And I was like, Eniki is super like smart. She's super aggressive. So I asked her if she'd like, like she'd like to be my co-founder. Because also I didn't have money to pay her. Like I was like, Eric, I don't have money, but can you help me set this thing up? And um, you can even go work for other people. Personally, I'll I'll figure myself out as well. So, um, but that's what like 2015, 2016 worked uh, a lot with Eric. She was still in uni, and we set it up. Uh, when we named it, we were like. It was so interesting. It was like Mama Ventures. We're like, okay, that sounds really nice. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. We were like, literally, if it was, uh, oh my God, it was so horrible. Um, I, I really love how the word Mama Ventures has grown over years, but we're literally sitting in my living room and we're like, what do you think it should be? Like, oh, other people do acronyms and like anagrams. So we're like, hmm, Mama it's like, what do you think mama should mean? You're like, mama's actively mentoring in Africa. Like, it's literally. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Quite elaborate. Very good. Well, <laughs> like, hmm, yeah, actively mentoring. Because we're not just mentoring by talking. We're actually practically mentoring them by giving them the skills. So, like, now we started setting up our roots very deeply in the ecosystem. And now back to how we named Mama as Mama, you know, Mama's actively mentoring in Africa. I love that. Why are you laughing as you say that? It makes so much sense. And again, Mama, like we're in Africa, Mama means, you know, the mother of all ventures. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. So at one of our mingle meetings, this gentleman walks up to me and says, oh my goodness, Kiki, this is such an amazing space that you've created. And now I understand why you're called mama. I was like, uh-huh. So in my head, I'm also trying to like, oh, how, what do you think it means? Because we've never told anyone what, what it means. means. Yeah, like what it stood for. <laughs> but it was always in caps. Like when we were writing our, like, our comm stuff, mama was always in caps. <laughs> and then he was like, it's because you nurture businesses. You're our mother. Like you are the person that we can come to, even when stuff is not working out in the business, I can come and be honest and say, this is not working out. And you'll be able to point me in the right direction, either introduce me to someone or introduce me to a resource that will be able to support me. I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, 
why didn't I think of that? I was like, yeah. That is such a beautiful way to put it. (laughs) I was like, that's exactly what we were thinking when we said this. No, Um, so in 2018, then I started setting up workshops. So after every mingle, I'd be like, we're running a workshop a week, you know, maybe two weeks from now. The cost is like 2,500. Uh, if you want to come, you can sign up. So we, we'd get people signing up, up to 10 people signing up. So that like, we're like, oh, okay. So people do have a need for this service on a one-to-one basis. That was like as groups, then we'd make anything between like, 25k to 50k on a good month on from workshops that we were running through facilitating the entrepreneurship toolkit and then we then like as in that is growth man from zero (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love the way you are saying this because i feel like a lot of people um a lot of people see something working, but they just don't know what it took for someone to come up with, like to reach that point, you know? It's tough. It's tough. And then, you know, at that point, like when you're like reading about entrepreneurship, there's all these competitions that are around. So we try like we try to apply like that was now before 2017 when we said, OK, we are not applying to anything anymore. It's because then we would go apply, would get rejected. But I understand why we got rejected because we also didn't really understand what we were doing. I understood and I made those fixes in the business to try and communicate and articulate very clearly. So from like our workshops, we'd have one or two um, businesses who would follow up and say, hey, do you, can you help me with operations on a one, one-on-one basis? So then then we'd do uh, retainers for, for such companies, anything from 10K to 20K per month. So we'd have a few more other people, like out of the workshops that we've done in the month, we'd have maybe five businesses uh, converting to do one-on-one. Okay, like given your experience, like what are some of the challenges you feel um, hinder most women like starting their businesses right now? I think it will be either starting or building, you know, like I feel like you also deal with a lot of women who already mm-hmm. have begun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've, even women who've begun, they still, we still have a lot of challenges. So I would say the first enemy of progress is ourselves. Um, personally, like if you, I don't know, if I didn't have a good support system, I would have stopped you know, you know, halfway through that process, especially those first two years, there's points I went to, what's this site? <laughs> the job platform. Like, I would go and apply. I'd be like, let me just apply because now I'm not going to make any money and this thing is not going to work. Like, there was that that personal self-doubt, which yeah, it's really up to us to get over, not to get over it, but learn to cope with it. So, like, one of the things that I did, especially like 2017, I used to go for, so I, my friend Hannah is a life coach and she used to do something called wonder walks. So we would go to the forest and just walk and she would have this facilitated notes where, you know, it was such an interesting experience where I'd, wow. meet, I'd, I'd even meet people, travelers who are in transit. Like this person is in Nairobi for two days and they come for a wonder walk. And you meet them and you talk about their stuff and like you talk because I struggle with therapy. I struggle with sitting one on one with someone and telling them that I'm feeling, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I really struggle with that on a personal level. So like 
the wonder work for me was some sort of therapy where I'm meeting this person that I, I will never see again. Chances are that <laughs> I love that. I'll, yeah. And I get to tell them all my, all my struggles and not feel judged because they're also going through their own kind of struggle or they've already gone through it. Like I, I met this lady who was, you know, a world bank boss who, you know, who quit her job to become a hypnotherapist. It was so interesting wow. to like, as in what? <laughs> it was... I love listening to stories like this, honestly, because <laughs> it just shows like the yeah. wide, like the scope of possibilities, like, yeah. you know, everything is possible. Yeah. And, and honestly, so I had my first aha moment when I was in Kajiado, but my key aha moment was in those walks in the forest when after going for like four or five sessions, I would meet people and I would hear myself in their stories depending. And I was almost always the youngest person in those um, wonder walks. So someone would be speaking and they'll be saying exactly what I'm either going through. And this is them like 30 years ago. And I'm like, wait, this is stuff that everyone has gone through before. Like, I'm not unique. The world is not trying to attack me. No one is against. It's just the, the way the world is engineered. There's all these barriers that exist to kind of help, like, not, I don't know, just makes it tough so that you can be able to kind of sail through when, you know, you go through, get past this past two, three years of your business. So, like, that was my aha moment. That was the point I stopped second-guessing myself and say, I don't know. I was just like, I'm going to do this mama thing properly. I'm going to put my skin in it. Um, I don't expect to make a million bob today, but I might make a million bob tomorrow. And even if I don't, it's not about the million bob. Like, that was the moment I was just like, we look in the wrong areas. Like, Someone will always have more money than you. Someone will always be prettier than you. Someone oh, yes. And that's have... the biggest source of all our frustrations. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I remember I kept second guessing myself because like people I was with in school, remember I was top of my class and I'm seeing oh, people yes. who are like C students. Oh my God. I'm making, in it. <laughs> making it. I'm like, and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Exactly. And yet, oh I know. And then every time somebody really asks you what you're doing, I understand the way that it's so hard to explain what you're doing. Like, yeah. same time, I'm just like, uh, okay, so let's just say <laughs> I'm just, I'm just around, you know, like. <laughs> Miko too. I'm just happy to be alive. I'm happy to be I'm here. just around. <laughs> We're just surviving. <laughs> yeah. At some point, we were just like, I'm glad I woke up today. I'm healthy. <laughs> because at the back of my head, I'm like, I don't have money to go to hospital. So I can't afford to be sick. The challenges do exist. And we just need to be honest about them. Like you can't look the other way and pretend that everything is rosy, everything is great. So the biggest challenge first is ourselves. Let's just like understand our purpose. Let's understand that it's okay for someone else to have more money than you. It's okay for all these things to happen. But while you are understanding and being complacent about, like you're being uh, aware about um, all these things that are kind of around you, there's also the vision of where you want to go. Like if I exactly out the vision of mama, it's, it's bigger than I can ever imagine, but I know right now I can't do it, but I know everything I do, all conversations that I have with people now are geared towards that 10 year mark that we're, we're setting ourselves up for. So that's a big challenge, but um, to get it down to some of the other challenges is 
Um, so I always tell women, I mentor a lot and mentor a lot of women. You know, my business is supporting female founders to set up businesses that are sustainable. And I have these conversations with them and say, you know what? You didn't just wake up and be, and, and found out that you're a woman. Like you knew for a very long time that you're a woman. And unfortunately for us in, in this continent, the world is engineered against us. So that's one. I'm just like, guys, already we were born women. Personally, like, you know, you know that you're not entitled to even land. You know, you're going to get married <laughs> off. The cows are going to be sold, given, and then you're going to go to your home where your husband will own the land where, that you're going to live on. And, you, you know, those, those are the realities of the 95% of other women in this country or in this continent. The 5% kind of have some sort of privilege that allows them to work and own assets and all these things. But majority of women, you go to the village, you look at how women are perceived, it's miles apart. So that's one. But then the other thing is, and I just spoke about this at a, a conference that I was part of this weekend. And I said to the women there, and I'll echo it here again, that when we started those seven, eight years ago, there were hardly any women supporting young women getting into the space. That is the reality of things. They were very hard to come by and super overwhelmed with other women that they were mentoring. It's, it was really tough back then. And like personally, I've had a male career mentor and only now I'm seeing, at least now, to be honest, if I send a LinkedIn message to a woman, they're more inclined to respond than a man. 2013, 90% of the people who responded were men to support my, my business. So <laughs> it's shifting. There's a huge shift of more women supporting each other and creating spaces for women to have access to opportunities, have access to investment have access to all these networks that will be valuable to them. But what I say is you shouldn't be a checklist item as a woman. You know, all these job applications that are out there and then you're like, oh, because I'm a woman, I'll apply and I'll get the job because I'm a woman. I'm sorry to break your heart, but you will go through the interview phase because you're a woman and you'll be part of the data that, yes, we interviewed X number of women for this role. But if you're not competent, chances are you're not going to get picked for that role because someone is paying you to do that. Someone is investing in your company. And if your due diligence doesn't check out, they will pick the other person who might be a man. But then, you know, we'll go out and say, oh, no, they don't fund women. No, it's not that. <laughs> when it gets down to the numbers, and that's, you know, the venture builder in me talking, fix your numbers. You're running a business, document everything. You're doing this... Um, the podcast, Marsha, which is so amazing, but someone wants to see how many hours have you done? What is the impact of this um, um, conversations that we're having? What, what is this going to lead up to? What's the bigger vision? Because that's yeah. the only way, you know, BBC will come and, you know, pay you a few millions to have this in their radio station because they're seeing, okay, these are conversations that we want to have across the continent to help this, you know, Africa grow. So, like, that's what I tell guys from when we start as we're doing venture building. I'm like, what, what are the numbers? How many users do you want to get? How many customers? How many sales are you making? How many calls are you making to your existing customers? And all this really what sounds like a boring conversation, but 
it all boils down to that. Um, what are some of the that. like success stories you've had through Mama? Some of the success stories. The one Mama, Mama is a good success story. Let's just start from there. I think Mama is the success story. Right? <laughs> I was I was just telling someone the other day that we were down the the trenches is where we were. Sorry, I don't want to take credit on a lot of the successes that we've done. So like I know. Some of the amazing people I can talk of is um, Talash, who runs one of um, Africa's most successful uh, agribusinesses uh, called Insectipro. I have a lady called Anne who runs a, a social media marketing platform that is, you know, centered around um, centered around reports and analytics for big companies. We have um, there's tons of people like. But then, like, what I've always done is I just do my bit and I kind of, like, set them off. I know, like, this, oh, we have Zigglefly. Zigglefly is such an amazing <laughs> story. Like, if you asked me, I'm like, yeah. I even forget. Because to me, and this is why, I, you know, I still laugh about the idea of mama. To me, there's still that guy who didn't understand what they were doing when they came to me. So um, I get you. you Your kids, way, like, <laughs> they're my kids like my mom still tells me like you know when I see you I still see that little thing that was wearing diapers and filling them exactly. up exactly this big thing that you know so to me I'm just like and also we have that relationship where it's very personal so uh, I've built those personal relationships with them so I think of their businesses are an afterthought so like, I'll sit and I'll be like yeah there's this guy yes there's this guy there are no fairy tales in building businesses. Honestly, where the things we do, no, 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 no. You have to even figure out where you're eating, where your meeting is going to be so that you're able to walk home or you're able to have coffee or you're able to say you're fasting or your meeting is like at what time? So that there is so much that you have to think about. You have to think about the kind of hair you need to have so you can afford to look good and still do business because no one will excuse you for walking into a meeting with bad hair and uh, body order because you've been working for six hours to get there. And I've seen all these, you know, amazing people who come show up, they're sweating, they're like, guy, I walked from town. Someone's like, I don't care. You, <laughs> you're late. Yeah. Seeing my mom um, be able to make financial decisions that have allowed her to have the independence that she has right now um, really inspires me. Um uh that that is it honestly for my i everything i do i i really look at look at her i don't have any profound person who <laughs> that's <can> beautiful say, <laughs> who i can say um okay that person but i would say that over over my period of of starting there's a, you know there's been people who have created a good space for me you know i had there's a lady called Anne Lawi who at the moment is the director of the Pangea accelerator i think she was the first person to actually see the potential of the work that we were doing and opened a door for us and we we went with it we ran with it and oh I bless think, her yeah and i've met a lot of people i met a guy called Basil who you know he also went through his you know his really tough times and when we interacted he's opened doors for me you know Bernard Shirar in the space that I'm in he's one of those people who also sees opportunity and kind of opens doors so as you know in the ecosystem as tough as it is there's people who open those doors for you and they see your potential from like the get-go so um 
having a clear support system. I've had friends who, you know, have gone through it with me. And in those days, you don't have even a 200 bob. They're the ones who send it to you. So I've had a very, quite small, uh, my, my personal social network is quite small, but it's quite rich as well. So even as you start, try and make sure that as you start, as you grow your business, having, apart from being self-aware, having a sounding board as your, your, you know, as your support system is key. People, you can actually tell that I'm not okay. So it's tough. And I know admitting that things are not working out is not easy, but it makes a huge difference in, in everything that we're trying to do. And yeah, keep, keep moving, keep growing. Yeah, so for me, that's that's that has been truly, truly a, a blessing to have that in my life. Yeah. Um, what mantra do you live by? Hey, that one, Sasa. Now why are you throwing me in the deep end like this? You didn't even give me floaters. Now I'm just here. Now I have to guess. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Imagine that's the beauty of this um, candid conversation. I know. Like, yeah, just what's the what's the first thing that comes to mind? You know, for me, it's just just live, keep breathing. You have one life, honestly. And I love that, to, honestly. Just yeah, <laughs> just keep just keep living. Just, that's it. Yeah, keep living, keep, keep living, living, keep breathing. That's all. Like, do you know why? Why that's the first thing I would think about? It's because that's the only thing that we do effortlessly as human beings. So at 51st Coffees, we have a tradition where I get to ask each of my coffees a lightning mm-hmm. round of questions. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, really love the lightning round. So here we go. Mm. Question one. Mm? When was the last time you did something for the first time? And what was it? Mm-hmm. The last time for the first time. Wow. Wow. It's lightning round. Okay. The, fa- the last... <laughs> The first time, the, what? The last time I did something for the first time, right? Yes. Um, I combed out my dreadlocks. <laughs> what? You don't so have over, dreadlocks anymore? So over COVID, I just like decided to do something different. And that's the, first, the last time I did something new. <laughs> um, okay, question two. What's the biggest lesson you've learned this year? biggest lesson that I've learned this year is you cannot plan everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a serial planner and uh, COVID has just taught us that you cannot plan everything. Yes, I've learned to live room for now and I've had more meaningful relationships with the people around me and my family and my friends. Question yeah. three, name one person you would love to have coffee with and why? Oh so many people on my list now if i say the one i really want to have coffee with i don't know what people think of me but here goes <laughs> i would love to have coffee with vladimir putin <laughs> what tell me i don't know i think he seems to be very principled and super scary but every time i think about how scary he is i see that he has a deep love for animals and for me anyone who loves animals is a good person so i just want to understand 
what goes on him. in your mind. Yeah, just him as a Ex- Just be interested. He's a good case study. <laughs> yeah, like I want to know if he's a villain or if he's a good guy. Question four. Name, um, sorry, what is one thing you know for sure? One thing I know for sure is... Uh, my goodness, I don't know what I know for sure. <laughs> I know that I'm a woman. <laughs> like, what do I know for sure? I know that I'm a woman. Oh, uh, oh, this is what I know for sure. I was having this conversation with my mom yesterday. I know for sure that I'm yeah. going to be a politician. Oh, okay. I have no aspirations what? to be a politician. No. When I was younger, I think I'm a natural born leader and I always thought I would be like something uh, in power. But then I realized yeah. that absolute power in this country brings contempt and I don't want to be part of that because it will dilute whatever work I've done. So I'd rather be one of those silent people who get things done. You know, I know yeah. for sure I would be a philanthropist. Like oh, that. I love that. I now won't be a politician. I like that. Question five. How do you take your coffee? I take it very strong. Very strong. Yeah. Like super strong. I have a sugar problem with my coffee. My coffee tends to be too sweet. Sweet and super strong. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening in until the end. This was our 17th coffee. Uh, So excited for the 18th. I hope you are subscribing and favoriting us anywhere you listen to this. And uh, do follow us on Twitter at uh, Fast Coffees and on Instagram at 51st Coffees. And leave me a voice message. Let me know what you got from the episode. Let me know what you would want to hear. Let me know what's your take on our lightning round (laughs) yes and um have a beautiful beautiful week ahead